and surround yourself with people who appreciate, celebrate, and love all that you bring to the table and more and have them elevate you. And, and that's really where you're going to see community and impact and real true love. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope you are all doing great. Um, every time I say that, I hope you're all doing great. Does that actually, do you actually feel when I say that? Because I actually mean that. I'm not just saying that like, um, I hope you're all doing great. I'm just like, oh, I hope you're actually all doing fantastic. I hope you're all doing great right now as you're listening to this show. All right. Just want to clarify that. I've always wondered that. <laughs> so I figured why not just throw it out there? It's genuine. It's real. I really hope that you're out here living your best life. Um, I am off the heels of a very intense weekend with my boyfriend. We had a fantastic weekend, but one that was, um, we, you know, we had a lot of really deep conversations, a lot of things we had to clear up, a lot of, you know, childhood memories we had to dig into, a very intense yet therapeutic and full of love and enriching and it's just making me look at relationships and friendships so differently I mean it's just like it it just requires so much work but when you really love somebody and when you really care about somebody you're willing to go there and that's what I realized this weekend like more and more I'm just like I'm willing to go there I'm willing to get deep I'm willing to get into the nitty-gritty uncomfortable parts of who I am and who another person is and talk about them openly, you know, it's, um, it's very liberating. And as somebody who's trying to get others to do that, like to, you know, hold space for other people to get open and to be honest and vulnerable and all that, like I really needed this weekend because I didn't realize I wasn't doing it myself. Like I wasn't being that vulnerable with the person that I feel the most comfortable with, which is really telling. So, um, I feel really good right now. I feel like cleansed in a lot of ways like I got a lot of things off my chest I feel like something has been dislodged um emotionally for me I think over the past few months with God is counsel with this podcast and with just trying to make things happen I became very like operational and very like put together and didn't really want to talk about my emotions and just other things happened along the way that just got me to be very cold I just kind of became that way because I needed to protect myself and this weekend I realized like you can be warm you can talk openly about these things you can still feel you can still be yourself throughout all of that like you don't have to give yourself up in order to have it all make sense for business or whatever like no and when you're warm and when you're open that's when you're the best at everything else so that's the major takeaway that I had this weekend and I'm really glad I, I had it. I, I recommend that if you need to have a really, really, really intense heart-to-heart with somebody that you love, you go ahead and you do that. It may be intimidating, but I'm telling you, you end up feeling so much better after. And when you look back on it in a few days, you're going to be like, wow. I'm so, so glad that I did that because I don't feel the same anymore. Like, you, f- you end up feeling better. It's inevitable that you feel better. 
On that note, I want to jump into a review that was left in the Apple Podcast app that was full of love and inspiration and made me very happy. And it was by Ahira Amor. And it says, I love listening to Chats with Kat. The way that she expresses herself opens up a space that is safe and authentic. It's awesome being able to hear different stories of different people that are influencing and inspiring in their own creative way. There are always beautiful takeaways and insights gained from the episodes I've listened to. Looking forward to hearing more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leaving that review. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm grateful to have you along this journey. And I'm grateful that you're getting something out of all of this because obviously all the women interviewed have a lot to share. If you haven't already, please leave a review for the show. I am 24 reviews away from reaching my first 100 and I really, really want this, guys. Please, I need your help to get there and I'm going to shamelessly promote it every week until we get there. So if you help me, I will stop saying it um, or maybe not. I don't know, but I just really need your help on this. And if you leave a review, there's a chance you can be shouted out next week and that's pretty cool. And I am going to add to the list of people who are going to inspire you right now, because today I am joined by Rachel Basoko, CEO and co-founder of Trenza. Rachel started Trenza when she realized that there weren't many spaces in which Latinas could own and produce fashion, beauty and creative endeavors. So she felt that her community had the resources and capital to build a space in which the community could recognize the immense power within. So Trenza is essentially a platform where Latinas can sell their products on the website so it's like a marketplace for all latina owned businesses and then trenza also hosts events in the city that bring together latinas and they host panels and stuff like that that get conversations going about some of the issues and some things that we find really important within the latina community and i love how she's just overhauled the whole system of needing bigger platforms to put on small latina owned businesses whereas she's just like forget it i'm just gonna do it we're gonna do it we don't need to ask for permission from anybody else and here we are i love that Throughout our conversation, we touched on the importance of Latinx as having ownership over their creative capital, building a healthy relationship with failure, intersectionality within the Latina community, and loads more. As always, if there's anything shared in this episode that you think could really help somebody that you love and that you care about, or that could just bring a smile to somebody's face, please make sure that you share it with them right now, or as you listen throughout the episode. Without any further delay, here is my chat with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat with me. I'm so excited to chat with you. This this has been a while in the making, and the way that I even came about getting to know you and everything was just so serendipitous because I officially learned about Trenza when I went to the BuzzFeed Mercadito event, but I was wearing a shirt that my friend bought through Trenza, and it was like, like the best full circle moment because I was like I walked up to the booth and I was like oh that's my shirt oh my god this is where she got it from oh my god wait and then now I know all about the brand and what you all are doing and I'm just like okay I absolutely need to talk to you and get to know like the brains behind what Trenza is is doing and everything 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 so um where did you grow up um so I'm originally from Houston Texas H-Town um, I was telling you earlier that that's casually where Beyonce is from. Yes. Um, don't know Beyonce, um, but Beyonce, if you are listening, <laughs> hopefully one day. Yeah, it, she might be. We never know, Kat. If she's out there listening, uh, hit me up. I am now in New York City, <laughs> um, but definitely rep that H-Town love. Um, nice. Love that place. Uh, it's definitely, I think, the best place to grow up. Super diverse. Yeah? Um, yeah. I absolutely love Houston. I, I go back to Texas a lot, so... 
I've never been. You should go. How how would you describe Texas? Well, okay, let's not say Texas as a whole because I, de- I definitely it's like think six Texas. states. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, um, if you could describe Houston in one word, what would it be? You think? I mean, I would probably say diverse. Hmm. Um, Houston is the mi- most diverse city in the United States. It just surpassed New York City. Really? Um, it, it just because Queens is the the most like condensed diversity. In, in the entire nation, but um, outside of Queens, in terms of just city, um, it's Houston, Texas. Um, so I went to a high school where y- you couldn't say it was a white school, a black school, a Mexican school, like whatever it was, you couldn't say what it was because we, we were pretty much like equal. Wow. Um, I knew kids who were homeless and I knew kids who lived in mansions. Um, and you kind of grew up, especially in Houston, there's so much job opportunity and diversity that people are flooding there all the time um, and growing rapidly. So there's just a ton going on. Um, there's a ton to eat, a ton to do, a ton to see. Um, so for me, Houston is diverse. So what brought you to New York? So I went to school in D.C. and um, I never thought I would live in New York City. Sometimes I still like look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you live in New York. How did you do this? And I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, you did this. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, I never thought I would live in New York City. I uh, thought I would always live in, in Texas. I had this weird, not looking back fantasy that I would grow up and have a really nice husband who had a great job, who took care of me. And I'm like, oh my God, like that was never going to be me. Like, what was I even thinking? Um, so I never thought we'd live in New York, but I got to New York because I went to school in D.C. and I was recruited by Bloomingdale's to work in their executive development program and sales management um, at their flagship store here in New York City. So <clears throat> had been working in the fashion industry for a while, jumped into Bloomingdale's and immediately found myself um, in the Upper East Side. Wow. So so you studied fashion in school or was it like the the sales aspect of fashion so I majored in organizational sciences and I I minored in psychology and organizational communications and which is essentially like the research side of the business so um, we look at team dynamics personalities work culture globalization and how that affects how people work Um, so it's really more um, research based so I actually my thesis was on sales associate personalities in fast fashion and luxury fashion retailers and whether or not I was reading about it it's so cool (laughs) yeah and whether or not it affected someone's decision to buy so like if you walk into an H&M or a Zara and someone rolls their eyes at you like you're like whatever I'm still buying this $15 shirt yeah if you walk into a Chanel and someone like looks at you just like on accident in the wrong way you're like going on Twitter swearing off Chanel like that's just the reality and so how do you train people how do you hire people um so the implications of the thesis was essentially that sales associates don't necessarily matter in fast fashion because they don't impact um but in luxury and higher fashion retailers it does matter who you hire and how you train them Mm, so oh my gosh I could. I, I want to dive into that so much, but that, I think that's going to be like Time the, geekiest, <laughs> the geekiest conversation. Um, but I mean, so when you moved to New York and you were working for Bloomingdale's, like, was it more so of like the research that they wanted you for, like no. to teach them? To I worked help? really more in sales management, so it was more team development. So I managed a team of eighteen sales associates on the sales floor. Um, I'd always kind of worked in leadership development and growth, um, growth and development within individuals. And so I wanted to take my experience in management and leadership development and put it into a, you know, 
a, a nine to five job. I loved working there. I hated the retail schedule. Yeah. I, um, I'm a person who kind of craves, I live and die by my calendar. So if it's not, you were just talking about earlier today, if it's not on my calendar, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So yeah. you were on my calendar, so I'm doing it. Like, yeah. doesn't matter or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I live and die by my calendar. And because I felt I was out of control, it's kind of a control thing for me mm-hmm. because I was out of control of what my, my schedule looked like. Because every week it changed. Every week it changed. And, and for some people, it works out that way. Like if you're a person out there who's like, I love getting my groceries on a Tuesday. Great. I didn't care because I wanted to hang out with my friends on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who is young and in New York City, not being able to have that op- option yeah. um, was frustrating to yeah. me. I, I can totally understand that. Um, so what are you doing now that you switched yeah. over? So I went from Bloomingdale's and then made the strategic decision to leave Bloomingdale's and go to Gwinnie B for a while, which is a startup um, fashion company. I don't know if I want to continue to call them a startup. They're like at year six or seven now. <laughs> Um, but they are the first rental company. So I know you probably know Rent the Runway. Um, their unlimited plan is based off of Gwynnie B's plan that they generally have. Wow. Look at that. Gwynnie B. Well, because Gwynnie B was originally for sizes 10 through 32. So it was plus size only. Wow. Wow. I have (laughs) no idea. Yeah. And it's, it's so they were challenging retail industry norms by saying, we're going to like tackle and pinpoint the larger portion and, 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 you know, actual majority of our, of our country and provide for her a service that is needed. That is, you know, if, if you are over the, over the size of 10, um, your body fluctuates in different ways. I mean, any woman's body fluctuates, um, but it can be difficult in terms of sizing. Um, in addition, just the way that we shop, you know, I worked at Bloomingdale's and I, on the sales floor and people would return things that were quote unquote, you know, problematic because they hadn't worn them in three years it had nothing to do with the actual clothing it was just like yo you're renting this clothing you're not buying it and so you're seeing this shift in the fashion retail industry that's saying okay we're not buying we're renting and so I love that though (laughs) I have to say I really do love that and also from like like um eco-friendly standpoint yeah we really don't need all this clothes you don't and you you get from a business perspective you get more money from it you know instead of selling a piece of clothing one time you're essentially selling it four times the same article of clothing um and making more money off of it so it's a really great concept a great idea um they've expanded it out they have this whole um other service that now works with companies like new york and company um and ann taylor so you can also rent their clothing as well so you should check them out but I worked on buying with them and the strategic decision was to go from on the floor, customer facing, um, you know, very much growth and development of my team to let me go into a tech and data company that is completely challenging what I was doing on the floor yeah. um, and working buying. And so understand how the product actually gets to the customer, why they're choosing it um, and work on those hard skills because I'd really developed my soft skills, but I didn't have like I had Excel, like no joke. I thought Excel was like just a program to make tables out of and yeah. make them look nice. And I'm like, yeah. what the heck? Like Excel is so much more than that. That's everyone should take all Excel I know classes. For. That's literally all I know. Dude, for. Excel is so much fun. Like I think oh I my love God, Excel. That now. sounds like a nightmare. Honestly, I'm one of those people that sees Excel sheets and I'm like, cries. X, X, X. <laughs> How do I get out of here? Like I'm more of like just letters. I'm more mm. of like a words person. I don't, I don't know. My brain just doesn't process numbers in the way that other people process well, so it. The thing about it is you can build, what I like about it is it's not numbers, it's puzzles. It, 
based really yeah, more it's like true. if this and then that yeah it's really yeah, more yeah. formulas yeah and so it's actually writing more letters than it is numbers you're right Excel. you're right but you're right it that it, it took me i had to stay at going for a year to literally teach myself excel and learn excel and build out processes and understand like because when you look at rental it's totally different than normal traditional retail because there's no such thing as ly there's no such thing as like margin in, in this traditional right. way so it's a very we're, we're, we were essentially building a new way to look at business at a business um, i love that and yeah. so what exactly about fashion though appealed to you from from such a young age and let me just say you're you're very young i don't know if we want to start i don't know if we want to throw out your age because it might just make other people be like what am i doing with my life <laughs> i tell them don't compare themselves to me. i graduated a year early from college okay so that i feel like that gives me an extra year okay that this is true yeah yeah but uh you know i don't I, know you, you can throw your age out there if you well want i'm to. 23 um i'm a june baby i I don't feel 23. Most of my friends aren't 23. I think that's the other thing too is I, I have surrounded myself with a lot of women and mentors who are much older than I am. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Um, but to answer your question of what interested me in fashion, it's actually r- really st- stupid slash funny. Um, I watched the movie The Devil Wears Prada. Mm-hmm. And I was like... <laughs> oh my god I want to be a fashion editor and I bought like all these books and for the longest time when I was younger I wanted to work in fashion be like a fashion editor and be like Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. um I thought that was the coolest thing and I go into high school and essentially it goes completely out the window I decide I'm gonna go be a lawyer and I'm gonna go work in nonprofits, and I'm gonna so I go to I focus solely on building out like how do I build communities and how do I work in nonprofits and how do I like impact through policy so I, I plan on going to that's how I essentially get to DC for school I go to GW oh. um I literally had no intention of going into fashion huh. because I did when I was like 11 yeah right um so I find fashion again when I am a freshman in college and I'm super depressed as most people are their freshman year of college if you're a freshman in college it's totally cool to be depressed (laughs) (laughs) it gets better it totally gets better if you're a sophomore junior senior in college and you're depressed it gets better yes um but I I was my parents were like Rachel just focus on school and I was like Blake I hate everything and they were like, don't do anything, just focus on school. And so I took, my, I printed out a resume of myself uh, for myself and I walked along the Georgetown shopping district and I walked into every retail store and I gave them my resume and asked to speak to the manager. And I got a job at J. Crew like the next week. And my parents were super pissed and I was super happy because I did exactly what they told me not to do. So was it because was it something that you wanted to do just to get you out of like your routine or was it like a rebellious thing? I think it was both. I think it was get me out of the routine, rebellious to say that I'm very much a like tell me I can't do something. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) you just set me up for a win. (laughs) Like tee me up. Um, So kind of both. And then also just wanting to be be a little different, do something that I wasn't doing. You know, um, I liked J crew. I still love J crew. Um, but I only worked there for three months, which is so funny. Um, <laughs> but it was enough to get you curious. Yeah. And then I worked in, I worked at Kate Spade. I did, um, some internships at a 
fashion magazine. I was a personal assistant to a fashion consultant in DC. So I kind of jumped around like from a variety of different roles within the fashion industry. And I really liked it. I liked the idea of, um, for me at least, fashion is the marriage of creativity and data. So it's really that nice left right brain, which I don't think most people think no, about when you think about fashion. Not but at all. It's the, I think fashion stylist. It's probably more creativity. But if you live and exist in the business world of fashion, it's that perfect marriage of what works and why does it work. And half of that is gut intuition, and half of that is just like what is actually in the data. Right. Um. So I loved the ability to play in both realms and that people could express themselves um through both realms um in once in one industry so I kind of got into that and then also maybe I got into fashion because I was never a cool kid when I was growing up mm-hmm. so kind of to this day I feel like I feel like so cool because I'm like all the cool girls are not cool anymore <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if you weren't cool in high school like, you're so cool now. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were cool now, you weren't cool in high school. It's really interesting to think about <laughs> it. When, like, when you go back, and I was actually thinking about this as, as I was walking down the street the other day. Like, I was seeing some kids, like, um, coming home from school. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I wonder if they know that the way they feel right now about that person in school that may be bullying them. Or, like, you know, how yeah. stressed they feel. Or, like, how much they want people to like them. Like, how much that will not matter in, like a few months yeah even literally literally in months yeah and now I just so I think sometimes I'm in fashion and I'm like ha 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 you thought you were fashionable in high school well I live in New York City (laughs) I'm not a bitter person (laughs) no 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 (laughs) maybe a little petty but not 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 too bitter (laughs) so I mean so it seems like your mind kind of works with with like strategy and like Mm, the business side of things and it's crazy because that's just to at least the people that I surround myself with are just not those people. Like, I think we're more of like the abstract, like, la, la, la. We just, how do things just work? We don't really think about how things actually get to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just like, I'm so curious to know what, what about the strategy and the business side of, mm. of fashion and, and, and all of this, like, excite you? Because it's not something that you're like your everyday 23 year old is excited Uh, about um I really like building things um I like playing and I think I always tell people that the 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 best strategists in the world and the best builders of the world are little kids um because they are able to create without you know borders or rules or guidelines because the reality is is they're creating those borders rules and guidelines they get to create that um versus having them imposed on them so I think strategy and the excitement of being able to execute said strategies whether that's through my current job or my side hustle um it is really that I get to build and have ownership of it and I'm really into I'm really into that aspect of, of, of seeing something come to fruition and that gets me going. Like I love feeling like every part of my body and talents is being utilized to its fullest extent. Um, and so for me, the only way I can do that is through strategy and, and is to, is to dive deeper into what's going to work and what isn't going to work. And I love the, the game of it all. Like, like I said, I like the challenge. I like the, I like the play of it. You know, you and I were talking earlier about 
I'm a very impatient person. And so like, I just need to throw things out there and do them and see how it works. And, and, um, if it doesn't work, like I find so much joy in that, which like most people don't, mm-hmm. um, I love it. I love being able to create and build that way. So how do you connect with failure? Um, so two things, one, I am learning, um, to be better at failure, but I do think I'm much, I'm, I don't think I'm terrible at it because I, I, sorry. And I'm, let me rephrase that by saying, do you, how do you connect emotionally with failure? Mm. So are you one of those people that like is inspired by it? And it's kind of like a Gary Vaynerchuk, like, Oh, like I love to fail because it's like, gets me going. I want to keep running. Or are you one of those people that's like, Oh my God, I failed. Like this is, this is going to weigh heavy on me. I think it's half and half for me. I think like Mm -hmm. part of it is this, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have almost imposter syndrome, like a lot of the time. So anytime a a small thing happens, like when we first launched our website um, and all of our products, like something happened and like, I was like, oh my God, I've completely failed my community. (laughs) (laughs) Who do I think I am to do this? Like that was immediately like the thought in my head. But the reality of it is that I might feel that way, but because I get to play and I've given myself space to play CEO every day, or I've given my, myself space to play in strategy every day, which most, to your point, most 23-year-olds, most people don't. Most people don't, yeah. Um, I also play and experience failure a lot more often than a lot of other people because I throw myself into situations where I can fail. Mm-hmm. So I think it's two parts. It's like one part that I don't like failing and it's hard to accept just as like anything is, but mm-hmm. I connect with it so much more than most people that it's not something that throws me off my rocker. It's just another challenge that I have to push through and get through. Um, and it's a learning experience. Like I always see even in, you know, I, I call my nine to five, my muggle job in my muggle job. I'm like, even then with my direct reports, I'm like, it's not a competency issue that you might have, or you don't know something. It, it's a learning opportunity, um, that we have to grow. And so I I see failures as learning opportunities, but I also have difficulty just like, I think any entrepreneur or person would have. Um, I think it's kind of silly to say that, like, I love to fail. Like, no, you don't. (laughs) It's like when people are like, I'm always happy. And I'm like, no, you aren't. <laughs> like, stop, stop telling the world yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah. This is so true. This is so true. And uh, I think that there's often this, this like narrative, like, like run with it. Like, it's okay to fail. And it's like, yeah, like totally don't let it knock you off your, like yeah. your rocker. But at the same time, like it's only human to yeah. feel like a little let down sometimes because yeah. especially when you're building something and you feel like you want to do the best that you possibly can do and you, you've, you're putting out your best work and then to find out that it's not the best is like, okay it's gonna be a moment of just like all right but it's back to the drawing board you know it's so valuable like I find it so it's important for you to fail and say and I get told no a lot more than I get told yes um or I've gotten told like that's not going to work versus people you know cheering me on and so when you face those things from what I and what I've been doing is surrounding myself with women um, who have gone through them before me. Um, because I, I do think it's hard to go through failure by yourself and you need that reminder that you can get through it and there are reasons why you will get through it. So I love that. And so, I mean, it seems like you've had a lot of mentors and currently have mentors. Mm -hmm. Uh, how did you go about finding like these amazing women to guide you throughout your journey? So I think 
initially I, I'm I'm really lucky I've been with the National Hispanic Institute since I was a freshman in high school um, and that the institute itself is so wonderful and that it gives me such spread in terms of people that I might need to access or touch or I can connect other people to like maybe I'm not in the medical industry but I know someone who is Um, I know someone who works at WWE I know someone who's an immigration lawyer like I know so many people in different fields and spaces that uh, maybe they aren't the best network for me but they can network with other people that I might know or might need to know in the future and so I have from a very young age have had the immense blessing of having a a large network Um, the network that and the women I'm currently surrounding myself with was something that I did out of desperation which is something you know I I think that you've done so wonderfully as well as building that space and community for yourself when you move to New York or when you're in a new in a new vulnerable area and it has been the greatest treasure I think the most impactful thing that's come out of building Terenza thus far has been the women that I've been able to meet and connect with and learn from to me, I, we can make however much money in the world. Um, but the women that I've been able to meet through this journey is priceless. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the coolest thing. Like I get to say, like, I want to have an event that's, for instance, we're doing an event on, on November 19th. Um, that's all about Latina social media influencers and the power of la mujer. So we're talking about like, Hey, how do you, work through mainstream media but still remain true to your culture and authenticity um so we got to invite all these like social media influencers I'm like that's so cool like I'm not a social media influencer but like now I get to surround myself with social media influencers because I created the space and platform to do so right um and so I think it's all about either throwing yourself into spaces that are created such as the wing um or you know other community organizations and or if there's not one that works for you or doesn't fit into your budget or your time or your community, you build it. Um, and that's kind of what we've done with Trenza. It's just we built it ourselves. And that's how I've been able to surround myself with a group of mentors and an advisory board of CEOs, CMOs, venture capitalists, um, and, and people who have kind of walked the walk before me because we stand on the shoulders of giants. I absolutely agree <laughs> with that. And I love that. I love that you've taken that approach and that you're fearless about doing it because it's like (laughs) I mean really like that's the best approach you could possibly take it's like we all know that when we start something we don't have all the answers like why would we just go about thinking that we could just do this without reaching out but I think a lot of times people feel like they're embarrassed or you know you kind of put yourself out there when you ask people questions or ask to meet up with somebody or whatever so I think some people try to avoid like that vulnerability aspect um so it's really dope that you that you've done that and like that really gives you an advantage so early on in your development stages um and so I want to start getting into Trenza I want to talk about your company (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) so um enough about me (laughs) well no no of course like more about me Trenza is about you too that's true it's yeah it's my 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 little baby my passion so tell us about Trenza how did you come up with the name what does it represent how did you when did you know you wanted to put this out into the world Ooh, lots of questions, lots of answers. Um, so first of all, if you don't know Trenza, Trenza is a multi-channel brand that is made by and for Latinas. We work through content, commerce, and community events. Right now, we're based out solely of New- in New York City um, with plans to expand out to LA, Austin, Texas, Denver, Miami um, in the next year or two. Um, we have bigger plans for the next five years, which 
whole other story, but very exciting plans. Um, and essentially what we do is we curate spaces for Latina creatives. So that could be anyone from who's, who works in tech to somebody who is literally a graphic designer. Um, for them to connect, engage, and create the next policies, businesses, pieces of art, etc. Um, and it was designed and built out of two reasons. One, like I said, I worked in the fashion and retail industry and I could sense trends. So the rise of e-commerce, um, the rise of fast fashion, the rise of the Amazon effect, um, and wanted to kind of challenge these trends in a way that I knew would work. So for instance, we know that people don't go into stores as often and they're connecting with brands through social media influencers, um, but they're expecting their products to get there in two days, but they feel good when they donate money to, you know, if, if through Tom's or whatever. So these are all these things that are happening. So what do you do to build a community? And the reality is, and it's totally cool if I like cuss on this, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> the reality is, is that Latinx and Latinas don't own shit. Yeah. Um, like we pat each other on the back when someone gets a job at like Chase Bank mm-hmm. and like, oh my God, congratulations, Mija. Like mm-hmm. so proud of you. And it's like, that's great. Um, but there's a difference between the person who writes the checks and someone who receives the checks. And there's a difference in welfare and we don't own that kind of wealth. And that's, systemic and you know we can get all into that but the reality is we don't own a lot of things but the other reality is that we do own a lot of things they're just not mainstream and so how and and how do we tell our community that we own so much that we aren't just consumers of product but we really truly are producers owners and investors of product and how do we get ourselves to see that because so many latinas and so many latinxers believe they have to leave the community in order to become successful myself included Mm -hmm. um and so how do we kind of shift that narrative and so capitalize on these trends capitalize on what's going on um and then also, how, do, how did I, as I moved to New York City and needed community, I wanted to be in a space where women could, one woman could raise their hand and say, like, yo, I write music. And someone else could say, hey, like, I design clothes. And another person could say, I have a huge backyard. And within 15 minutes, you had a musical. And so teaching ourselves or reminding ourselves that we didn't need, like, financial capital, that we had capital in the sense of knowledge, talent, resources, networks, but we needed a single solitary space to connect all those things. And so Trenza uses different vehicles to subconsciously um, allow us as a community to connect with each other, engage with each other and create and reflect on who we actually are and what we actually have and what we will be in the next 10 to 15 years, which is super vital, not only to our community, but the entire United States. Absolutely. Um, so that's a little bit about what we are. Trenza, the name, yes. means braid yes. in Spanish. <laughs> um, funny story, it originally wasn't Trenza. Um, I got the idea for Trenza back in March of 2017 and told my co-founder, Annalisa, and she was, like, super skeptical, as is. <laughs> she, as she is. Um, I am the, like, visionary, and she is the skeptic, which is great, which means, like, we actually get, you know, shit done. <laughs> um, but it originally was Rida, R-I-D-A, like Frida, but just Rida. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it because I really connected with Frida as, as a person. You know, I felt this duality. Um, I myself am an artist and a creative and a Mexican-American. And you know, so I just felt very connected to her. 
Um, and I had my first, we had this thing called shots and thoughts before we like officially launched, which is where I invited a bunch of Latinx people. One of which was actually Alex Ocasio-Cortez. Um, she was one of the first people at our shots and thoughts. And how long ago was that? April of 2017. So this is before way before dude. Like that's the thing is like way, way, way before. So we're at shots and thoughts and we're like, dude, you guys, First question on the table, do you know any Latina makers? No one could answer anything. No one knew a single Latina producer, owner, or an investor. Crazy. But it proves my point of like, we need to have a space that elevates this, right? Second, do you like the name Rida? Does Do these colors resonate with you? And mind you, both myself, myself and Annalisa are from, we're Mexican-Americans from Texas, um, so a lot of the way that we see building a community brand is hard because we see things through like our own lens, mm-hmm. not through the lens of like multiple community members. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so like I came to New York and everyone was like, let's go get some pastelitos. And I was like, yay, little cakes. That's not what pastelitos are here. Yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, the first time at Tostone is like the first time I, I didn't know the experience of Afro Latinas until I came here. Mm-hmm. So we showed Ria and they're like, dude, it's too Mexican. Mm. it's way too our logo was like literally a minimalistic frida and i was like whoa i like way over my head i was like this is so gonna work everyone's gonna resonate with it over my head and um you know alex being a puerto rican from bronx and i had a couple of other friends who were um salvadorian and you know one was you know actually from mexico she was just here in college we all sat on the table and we're like, how do we make this super, how do we make this more inclusive? Um, and we walked away from the table not knowing. And a couple of days later, I was looking at my stupid little design and I was like, braid. Because, th- you know, yeah. Frida has that braid, that very iconic braid. And I was like, that works for us because braids are typically made of three strands and we work through content, commerce, and community. So our three strands. Um, we work to connect, engage, and create three strands. We um, are all very different, so I wanted to be as inclusive as possible. But when you build this together, we're stronger, mm-hmm. which is ultimately the goal of, of Frenza. Um, and then also, you know, in English, it sounds like trend. So mm-hmm. it works both really well in English and Spanish. And then in, it has that powerful T at the beginning, very mm-hmm. bold, and that very feminine A at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the name. Some people like are like I don't know and then some people are like I love it and yeah. I'm like I love it I'm not changing it no I love <laughs> it and suck I, it up I knew exactly I, I had a feeling that's what you intended by the name <laughs> but I was like let me just double check because if it is that's crazy cool yeah that's, that's really cool that's, that's who we are yeah that's amazing <laughs> so um at what point did you notice that this is something that needed to happen right now mm. like there's a difference between saying like oh this is a trend like it sucks that this isn't happening and it's another thing another thing to be like I'm gonna create this and within that what skills do you think you needed to have in order to get this um off the ground this is a good question um particularly just having a skill set because I don't think a lot of people unfortunately have the skill set to build um so great question there um why I thought it needed to happen now by 2051 and four Americans will be Latinx. Um, the insane rise of the Latina business owners and Latinos who are educated in, 
I have the numbers on me, but they're um, incredibly surpasses any other community out there. Um, and then the reality that very seldom of those Latina business entrepreneurs receive venture capitalist funding. Um, very seldom of them are actually investors themselves. Yeah. Um, knowing that we have this highly educated class of women who are leaving the community, who are marrying outside of the community. Um, you have this very diminishing male in our community. Um, so I just knew that if something didn't happen within the next two to three years, we weren't going to be prepared as a community to build the policies, businesses, and art that we're going that we needed to have by 2050. So everything that we do with Trenza is very purposeful and very like almost like educated and and like curriculum based, whether people know it or not, because we want you to feel like a part of something, but we also want you to feel like you're part of building something too. You're not just buying product. We're not we're not just an e-tailer. Um, you're not just coming to an event and, and feeling good when you leave. No, you're a part of a community now that you need to continuously give back to. Right. Um, so I, I think for, for me, it was like I needed to build something now because there wasn't something for me to be a part of yet or nothing that I knew of yet um, to, to join and be a part of that. So it was critical at, for our community at this point in time. Yes, there are trends going on in the fashion and retail industry that we could have waited on, but because of what was going on with how fast we're growing and scaling, um, there needs to be something. If it wasn't trends, it was going to be something else. Yeah, it's like a response to society. This is yeah. just like literally a preemptive response to something that will absolutely need to be um, put in place yeah. to in order to prevent, um, you know, any kind of exploitation or further exploitation. Yeah. And I think that this is incredible what you're doing. It's empowering and it's it's creating a system that is responding to a problem um, and is creating yeah. an alternative, which we don't have. Yeah. And I'll, and that's really it. People, when I first started building it, people were like, well, why do you need to do this? And why not? Why can't it be for Latinos? Why can't it involve? I'm like, dude, there are plenty of spaces for men and other people. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um so if there are other spaces for them, this is not this is not about them at all. This is always going to be about women or women identifying people who identify as Latinx. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what we're building. That's what we're building it for. Mm-hmm. And it's not about other people. It's not about you. It's about, you know, it's it's about us mm-hmm. um, and where we're going to be. And do you find that in any way, like there's been like a, a negative response to that? Sometimes really? I've gotten, well, from our community, no. So from people who, like, women identifying Latinas, like, do not, are not, they're very much collaboration over competition. Yeah. If you are not a Latina, um, you, it's so interesting. When I talk about it, I've gotten poor responses from people. They're like, well, what if I want, what if I'm a Latino who wants to sell on your site? No. No. <laughs> exactly. No. Like, well, why not? And they get all up in arms. And it's yeah. like, dude, like, cause no. Yeah. Why do you, why do you have to question that? Why do you have to be everywhere? Yeah. Like, why can't we just have something? Yeah. This is just our space. Like get over it. It's not about you. It's not about you. And it's, um, so it, it's been eye opening to me that so many things are about 
other people. And it's something, you know, we work with a lot of corporations and organizations now as we grow the business for our events. And we have that push and pull of with, with our, with our, um, our, our kind of partnerships with them about this is what they want to be able to achieve. And then the realities of what we need to achieve. And sometimes there's a, a little bit of discrepancy. And so it's reminding myself that, okay, I can't acquiesce to everybody. There are things I need to bite my tongue on. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's not about Latinas and not building and empowering them, it's not connecting, engaging, and creating, it's not by and for, then I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Very much sticking to my guns of who we are as a core because I feel like that's the only way, way it will be sustainable um, and can grow and actually do some real impact. Yeah, I mean, it's unapologetic. And I mean, if we've noticed and learned anything from Alex Cortez it's that when you are unapologetic and you stick to your guns you will get to the top you will get to where you want to get to because I think people are tired of of the wishy-washy yeah are you about it or are you not yeah and if you are okay and if you prove to me continuously through the criticism then I'm gonna actually give you more money it's like the whole Hamilton and Burr thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um so since you've put out Trenza and you you know Mm -hmm. you've engaged directly with the community what are some things you've come to learn since launching that you were not aware of before so like I said I think I didn't understand the Afro-Latina experience Mm. um let's let's dive into that I just like had no so when we first launched we launched with a t-shirt that said Morena 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 on Uh it um when we had it just on Annalisa who was a Mexican-American um, and for us, from our perspective, Morena is, has always been used, like, I, I don't know if people can't see me, but if you ever see a picture of me, I'm very light-skinned, white-passing. Um, so Morena was always used as in term of, like, endearment, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's said with Karim, you know, it's just, like, it's just, it's not, it wasn't a bad thing. And we posted this photo day one. We launched on August 1st of this year, an immediate reaction of, oh my God, take it down because Morena is used in some Latin American countries, especially toward Afro-Latinas, as a derogatory term of, you know, very much blackness, darkness, um, and kind of the associated, all the awful <laughs> associated things that come with it. It could also mean endearment as well. So there's, this, yeah, this, yeah, there's these two things, right? And so I didn't, we had no idea, mm-hmm. right? We had no idea, you know, and what did we have to do? We replaced, we launched us in the first moment. Like, what are we going to do with our community when we didn't take the, I think when you're building a business that's community based, we have to do a lot of emotional labor in terms of educating ourselves about our community first. Because like I said, I only see the world through my lens. So I don't understand the experiences of, how 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 do you balance between the world of quote unquote being black and quote unquote being Latinx and how does that ex- how does that experience and and how do you understand your skin your hair the, your culture your food and how does that play into kind of balance that line like I feel I will never be able to understand that unless I surround myself with more Afro Latinas and bring them to the table and elevate their voices and something that we have to with Frenza and we're doing very purposefully is like yo. I'm never going to create something that says like Afro Latin on it because just as much as I wouldn't create something that's had like 
I don't know, like a Puerto Rican flag on it and, and, and sell it. No, someone else who's Puerto Rican needs to build it and sell it because I almost, we have to balance a line of ourselves of cultural appropriation, even within our own culture mm-hmm. and our own, our own community. Mm-hmm. Um, so diving into their experiences and each Afro Latina's experience, just as much as each Mexican American from Texans experience is vastly different. Yes. Um, but listening and paying close attention and, um, building a community that's inclusive for them as well as for us has been such a joy and such a ride, but as any ride, there are some bumps and learnings. So, um, I think that's probably like, it's one of the largest learnings I've had building Trenza is just learning more about the community and, and who really envelops it. Um, versus just my, my understanding of what it is. I really appreciate that. I mean, I, yeah, I would, I would have never expected that response. And as an Afro-Latina, <laughs> as somebody who oftentimes does not feel represented in many Latina spaces. Yeah. Like, oh God, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I see pictures. It's like a Latina assembly or this. And I'm like looking, I'm like, is there one person that looks like me? And it's like, oh, that's right. Like we still don't exist yeah. to a lot of people so um this yeah that means a lot and well it's cool it's cool because i think what's dope about trends you go to one of our events you see people who have red hair blue eyes you have people every shade every color every size every age we've had the youngest of, of 18 to a woman who was 67 at one of our events so we are just like and we try to be as again as diverse as possible yeah. um i think that stems from like my like houston Mm-hmm. but it also stems from like that's the reality that's what our community right. actually looks like right. we actually look like this right. um to be latina isn't a look yeah and we have to start like dismantling those thoughts and barricades within our own selves like in our own community about what it is and so how do i bring more to the table and how do i put them in more of my t-shirts mm-hmm. <laughs> yes that's how you do it that's exactly how you do it you you create visual you you create visual reminders and like educational yeah. moments for people and then at events and stuff like you center conversations where um diverse groups of people within the community can respond to and you know share their perspectives and simultaneously educate people who would have never thought that way you know yeah uh, and that's what I really love. I really love that you're doing that because that's the hard work that a lot of, you know, platforms are not willing to do. It's very yeah. easy to say this is just what we do. And it's like, sure, to some extent you'll get somewhere. But it's like you're always going to I mean, I know you can't encompass everybody, but and there will always be those moments where you don't know. And it, there's yeah. always going to be a learning curve. And that's OK as so long as you're willing to try to learn. As opposed to just being like, no, like, we're not going to do that because, like, we're just not. Like, okay, well, then you're actually part of the problem still. Yeah, I just think there's no such thing as the most woke person. Hell no. Like, hell no. You can be as, quote, unquote, woke as you want. And the reality is that you are still one individual. And because of that, just inherently, you will never know everybody's perspective. And so I try to be as um open-minded and encompassing of all as possible but to your point it's not possible to have all to be all encompassing um but we work we work hard and we try to put in that emotional labor so that other people don't have to which is really where we come from is we don't want to have our community have to put that emotional labor in we want to do it for you yeah so which uh again i appreciate as, (laughs) as somebody who's trying to build community and trying to do the hard work that um, is oftentimes very draining for other people. It's like I I can I can empathize deeply with that with that effort and the fronting that um, for the betterment of everybody else. And 
yeah, it takes a special, special mind to, <laughs> to, to try to do something like that and to create something that isn't already out there in the world and is, you know, finding a solution to a very, very real problem. Yeah. Um, with that said, I want to jump into some rapid fire questions. Woohoo! Rapid fire. Yeah. So sh- is there like a jingle do you have with this? No, you but I it. probably should. Right. Rapid fire. Yeah. You should just like, <laughs> just, well, do you want to say that again? We'll just use your, <laughs> your voice. <laughs> okay. Everyone real silent. Rapid fire. There we go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite time of the day? Morning, noon or night? Mm, noon. What's your favorite snack? Oh, I'm a bad snacker. I don't really snack. F. I'm just going to say a tortilla because that's what I had for a snack today. Like what kind of tortilla? I had a corn one. Oh, yeah. Is, just... Do you put anything in it? No. I was no? Just, I don't snack. I don't have snacks in my house. Like, so that's... just meals? I just eat meals. Like my boyfriend hates me because I never have snacks. He's like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I have ingredients. <laughs> I don't have snacks. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. how. I, I couldn't. I couldn't survive like that. I don't know. If, I don't know if what I ate today was a snack. Well, technically, but okay. So you don't have a snack. I'm not a snacker. I oh don't my know. God, I've never met anybody who doesn't snack. I like food, so I eat meals. Okay, well that's that's good too. What's your favorite Mexican dish? Mmm. Oh my God, monudo. What's that? Oh my God, monudo is so good. I had it this weekend, and I never have it. Um, so monudo is like this. It's a soup with tripe in it. You know what tripe is? Yeah. Most people don't like, like it. Tripe? It's yeah, it's spicy and red and cilantro and onions and just it's just a lot and most people hate it most mexicans hate it i think it's great it's great for hangovers the consistency for me is a little weird yeah that's why most people don't like it um but i love it i actually I, again i had this week when i was in texas i was like i need some of though because i don't know where any good menudo is here in in, in uh, dominican republic they call it mondongo mm. yeah i didn't really i never i never liked it but it's really interesting how like everybody seasons it differently and how everybody eats it differently. Yeah. Um, if you had a million dollars, what's the first thing you would do? Uh, pay off my student loan debt. Yes. Have so much. <laughs> Everyone make good choices when you go to college. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that stuff that lives with you for the rest of your life. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are going to resonate with that. <laughs> um, if there was one message that you could get out to the world, what would that message be? Um, so it's the message I would tell. I mean, I think this question works in two ways. It's what would you want to tell the world and what also would you want to tell your five-year-old self? Um, because I think they're kind of one and the same in how you, you can teach people to be more empathetic. Um, but my message to the world and also simultaneously to my five-year-old self would be, um, to be too much. I grew up, like I said, I wasn't the cool kid in school. I think people were like, oh my God, she's too loud, which I am. (laughs) I'm very loud. Um, she's, you know, I, I was always quote unquote too much. And I remember so distinctly, like, going to prom and this one guy didn't want to be in our prom group because I was quote unquote too much. We had the best prom ever. He didn't show up because he didn't come. So like lost on his end. But um, the reality is, is that being too much has got me where I am today. And if it is anything, um, it is a reminder that those people just weren't enough for me. And I it wasn't on, it wasn't on my end. It was that I just happened to be around people that weren't enough. And I needed to surround myself with people who were more than that. And so my message to the world is to be too much of who you are, be more of who you are, um, be more and unapologetically who you are. And 
in and surround yourself with people who appreciate, celebrate and love all that you bring to the table and more and have them elevate you. And, and that's really where you're going to see community and impact and real true love. Um, so just be more than what people expect of you and be more of, of who you expect yourself to be. I love that. That's a great, great way <laughs> to close this out. Um, for those people who want to learn more about Trenza and about you, where can they find you online? Yeah, so you can find us at Instagram or on uh, Twitter. I don't really do the tweeting thing, but it, 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 it's there. Um, but on Instagram and Twitter, at Hola Trenza. So at H-O-L-A-T-R-E-N-Z-A. Um, you can also find us online on the www World Wide Web um, at uh, www.olatrenza.com. Um, again, that's H-O-L-A-T-R-E-N-Z-A.com. If you want to shop our website, you can click through there to get to it, or you can just go to www.trenzatienda.com, um, which is T-R-E-N-Z-A-T-I-E-N-D-A.com. I feel like I'm like on a phone telling someone what my phone number is. Um, and then, of course... Um, you can always follow my personal Instagram, which is just my first and last name. I am the only Rachel Basoko out there. So if you Google me, I am the only person you will find. Amazing. I'll also link this in the show notes so you guys can find it. <laughs> um, thank you so much for this, Rachel. You are wise beyond your years. And <laughs> I'm really excited to see what you continue to build in this world. Yeah, I'm excited to build it with you, dude. <laughs> Wasn't she fantastic? I cannot believe that she's so young and so accomplished already, but... If anything, that should just serve as a reminder to all of us that it does not matter what age you are. You can go ahead and do anything that you want to do. There's nothing stopping you. Um, go ahead and follow Rachel online, follow Trenza online, and you know keep up with Trenza's community events. They have great panels coming up. They have a lot of things going on. And it's a great way to tap into the Latina community if you belong in the community. And that's um, something that I really am excited to dive into to get a taste of myself. And I felt a lot better after talking to her and knowing the ins and outs of everything because there is no gimmick and I love it. So go ahead and support Rachel, Trenza, all the things. I will talk to you all next week. And as always, I'm sending you lots of love, light and good vibes. I seriously do love all of you. And in case nobody's told you that today, I do. Okay? I love you. <laughs>